Thank you. I don't have any knock-knock jokes. Um, I'm so honored to be able to be here and share. This community has raised me. Came here 10 years ago, uh, scared, insecure little kid. I'm still kind of a scared, insecure little kid. But so much of what has been planted in me about the kingdom of God and who God is and what he's like has come from this beautiful family of faith. So it's such an honor to be able to be here. I, I want to talk this morning about something that's been stirring in my heart for, I think, my whole life. But it has been heightened in the last couple of years. Um, I had a, a dream two nights ago uh, that I was sharing this message uh, with you guys, but there was like a scary plot twist. I had forgotten my shirt. So I'm grateful this morning to be sharing with you fully clothed. Um, so are we, yes. So are, are you guys. <clears throat> so let's, let's pray this morning because I know that what the Lord wants to do is something that only he can do, um, to give us, to impart in us his beating, bleeding heart for the world around us. So can we just open our hands um, in a posture of receiving and invite the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do? Yeah, Jesus, you are so real. You're more real than anything else in the universe. You're eternal. And Father, I just cry out to you. We need you. Father, Holy Spirit, would you know, I just want to sit in here for a second. Holy Spirit, would you please come? Would you please come and, and impart something of your nature inside of us this morning? Show us how to live in this time that we find ourselves inside of. Would you give us your heart? Would you teach us how to be like you? Teach us what it means and looks like to be your children in this season. Holy Spirit, please, um, please, and please, Lord, don't let me mess this up. <clears throat> I don't think I can. All right. Well, bless you, Lord. I've been asking Jesus um, for a, a few weeks because I've had a little bit of time leading up to this moment. Just, Jesus, what do you want to say to your people? You know, I'm going to be standing in front of a room of your children, your image bearers, your representatives in the earth. What would you say to us? And I've been trying to ask that question in light of this cultural moment that we're in. <clears throat> the last two years uh, for all of us have been strange, have been challenging. And I just want to be a little bit vulnerable and share that in the last couple of years, I've, I've struggled more than ever before with feelings of powerlessness, feelings of sadness, feelings of, of anger <clears throat> about all of the crazy stuff that's happened in our world. You know, many of us are grieving because we've lost people that we love. You know, I, in my short lifetime, I've never seen more hatred, vitriol, division. And all, all along the way, these last couple of years, there's, there's just been something rising up in my soul that I haven't really known how to, how to name. And, and my hope is that as we start this morning, that I can just help us to 
get in touch together with what that is. And I think, I think this is what it is. I think that because we as children of God have the spirit of Jesus inside of us, and we were created out of the perfect fellowship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, this perfect unity of love and, and abiding self-sacrificial love, that when we watch human beings made in the image of the Almighty God, image bearers mercilessly rip each other apart, we cry out, our souls ache and long, Jesus, this should not be happening. There is so much in our world that isn't okay, that shouldn't be happening. And so I just felt to say this morning that, that if you are experiencing a little bit of dissatisfaction with the state of things, if you have, are experiencing a heightened awareness of just how far we've fallen from God's intentional design and heart for creation, then I think that there's something right with you. That I think it's a good thing. I think it's right and good. If, if your eyes have been open in this season, I think it's appropriate that they be filled with tears. And two of Jesus' beatitudes, I'm really just going to unpack Matthew 5 a bit this morning, but two of Jesus' beatitudes have been especially helpful for me as I've been trying to understand this ache that's been rising in my heart through this season. And Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 4, you're blessed when you mourn because you'll be comforted. And in 5, 6, you're blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness for you will be filled. If you long for things to be set right, you're blessed. I want to say this morning, <clears throat> Let's keep longing and aching together for Jesus to have his way in our world. You know, we grieve, but we don't grieve as people that don't have hope, right? Because we know that Jesus is going to come and he's going to set it all right. And we don't have to feel anxious because it's not something that we can do. How many of you have, have, have you know, as something horrific has happened in the last couple of years, you've just been pummeled with this sense of powerlessness. You know, I, I think we can be encouraged that we can't fix this, right? I think our longing and our aching for Jesus to have his way in our world is prayer. So Jesus, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer, isn't it? So I've been asking Jesus, in light of everything that we're experiencing as human beings, as your kids, what would you say to us? What do we do? How do we live here in the meantime, right? In this in-between space, your, your kingdom has been initiated and it's going to come in fullness. But in this gap time, this awkward time of pregnancy, before the full establishment of your beautiful kingdom of righteousness and justice and peace, where, where the people that are servants are going to lead, where the people that have pure hearts are going to lead, where the people that aren't strong are going to have a place at the table. Don't you long for that? In the meantime, though, Lord Jesus, what do we do? 
And my heart just keeps going to the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I feel confident this morning that I have a word from the Lord because I am sharing the, word, the Lord's word. <laughs> Amen? So can we just fully open up our hearts to it this morning? There's not going to be anything for you to filter, I don't think. Because we're just going to look at the words of Jesus. So Jesus, would you impart something in us this morning by the power of your Spirit? I'm going to start in Matthew 5, 13. Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And what I want to say about that, you guys, is that 2,000 years later, it's still true. Jesus is saying to us this morning in this room, you are the salt. You are the light. And, and the way that I want to kind of paraphrase this is, you guys, we have this unique opportunity as children of God in this time and this age to show a lost and hurting world what our Father is like. And my longing for us, our little church you know, is that we would be a pocket of heaven. That we wouldn't miss this opportunity. Guys, and, and, and my prayer has been, as I share this, that this wouldn't be some kind of a crushing burden, but this would be an exciting invitation for us, that we have an opportunity to be different than the world. You guys, there's this swirling cycle of hate and reaction that our world is locked in. But of course they are, right? We have this opportunity and this responsibility to show the world, to demonstrate something different, to be free and creative people. We're not, we can be different. We can be different. Don't we know that when things are really dark, that a little bit of light shines brightly? And that a little bit of salt can go a long way. So I pray that we would be different from the world in the way that we are loving and that we are like our Father. Just a couple of days ago, uh, I was at Nelson's Buffeteria, my favorite restaurant in Tulsa, probably. And I was there for um, a work meeting uh, with Anna and Dane, and we were talking about missions and uh, how we're going to, you know, love the world as a church. And this word was just stirring in my heart as we were sitting there, and I, I noticed that our waitress just looked especially nervous and uh, upset, or I'm not sure what it was, but I just thought, man, I'm going to ask Anna and Dane if we can just ask the Lord if there's any way that we can demonstrate to this waitress what he's like. And so, of course, Anna and Dane were like, absolutely, let's do it. So 
we just paused. It took five seconds, and we just said, Holy Spirit, here we are. We're your kids. We're your representatives in the earth. Is there any way that we can be a blessing to this girl that you love? And God gave Dane a little word, and God gave Anna a little word, and he didn't say anything to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought, well, let's just go for it and, and see what happens. And so Dane is the boldest of anyone in the world. And so uh, she came back, and, and Dane said, hey, you know, this is kind of awkward, but can we pray for you? Is there anything that we can pray for you about? And she uh, begins to open up about how she's just experienced a divorce and how she has uh, just been really coming under it, you know. And, and, and the word that Dane had given her was, was that, you know, you've been beaten up by life and that your father who made you just wants you to know that he loves you, and Anna begins to share, and then I, and then, you know, I'm slow. <laughs> the Lord began to speak to me about her identity, that if she had a, a price tag on her life, that, that it would save a life of God, that Jesus had, had paid his life for her, and, and in the middle of Nelson's buffeteria, this lady that we'd never met before begins to cry, and, and she says, you guys don't even know me. Why would you do this? Thank you. Thank you. You know, and, and I don't want to say there's a million different ways that we get to demonstrate the Father to people. You know, if, if praying for people at restaurants is uncomfortable for you, you know, maybe you need to stretch or there's also lots of ways that we get to do that, right? But this was a cool opportunity that we had. I, I had another situation. Interestingly, Dane is the common denominator. <laughs> but I was at a hotel uh, with Dane and Anna and Christina, my wife, and we, uh, you know, Dane is like, his family is like really high up in this hotel. So I'm, I'm not going to try to explain it, but basically when we get there, they give him like special treatment. They like pull out the carpet and the wine and the cheese and the meat. And so we're like in this back room getting special treatment as we're checking into this hotel chain. And Dane just after a couple minutes of being there, just feels led to share the same thing. And hey, you know, we're, my friend and I, we're followers of Jesus. I just wonder if there's um, anything we can pray for you about. And I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that on the inside, I was like, come on, Dane. (laughs) We're on vacation, you know. But, But again, you guys, this precious lady just begins to weep. And she says, I knew when you guys walked in here that the Spirit of God was with you. I knew that something... And so we pray for her. She get, begins to share about, about the difficulties she's having with her son. And we got to represent to this lady we never met before the heart that our Father has for her. And, and I just want... Uh, I mean, I, I ache, you guys. I, I long. I, I feel like Paul a little bit, who... Who, who talked about being in the pains of childbirth, you know, in agony that Christ would be formed in God's people. And I, I feel that same longing for me and for us. Just, oh God, would you make us like you? So as we progress a little further in Jesus' sermon, Really, the rest of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is just lots of examples of what it can look like for us to be salt and light, to demonstrate the Father to the world. And I just felt, as I've prayed, to zoom in on one in particular. And 
So we're going to do that now. I feel like one of the most stunning, beautiful, and deeply challenging, impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit ways that we can demonstrate the Father of the world is we can love people better than they deserve. So we're going to look at Jesus' really challenging, really significant teaching on that in Matthew 5. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> what reward is there for that? Even tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I just want to suggest that when we see be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, I think what we can see there is aspire to be like your daddy. You know, aspire to grow up and be like your daddy who you admire. Amen? In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. But doesn't this feel like an act of violence against ourselves sometimes? I know you guys are like me in this way. When somebody wrongs you, when someone treats you unjustly, just, you know, you feel it rising up in you, right? And it climaxes in your ears. You know, they get red and it just feels, ah, it's just so, it just feels unhuman, to respond differently when we're being treated unfairly. And, and, and I've got to be honest, I, I've experienced very little injustice in my life. You know, I, I've, I've lived a pretty cushy, mostly easy life when it comes to experiencing injustice, but still this is so challenging for me. And where I want to take us now is just to look at Jesus and, and to consider the way that this is what God is like and that this is how God loves us. So in Romans 5, we're going to read here, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And so what I want to say about this passage is that when, we're, when we talk about loving our enemies, I think what we're talking about is living our lives in light of the cross. We're talking about allowing the truth about who God is and what he's like to actually have a real bearing on the way we live our real lives. You guys, if God, being God, emptied himself of all power, entered into the creation that we broke, 
went quietly to a bloody beating and murder so that we could be reconciled to the Father. I think my ache is that that would bear some significance in my life as someone who believes that. You know, my, my hope is that, is that we would learn to filter our interactions and filter our decisions and filter the way that we relate with people through the lens of who Jesus is and what he's done. Amen. I, I think this is really, really important. In Philippians 1, Paul talks about living in a manner worthy of the gospel, living in light of what God's done for us. I like this quote by Dale Bruner. He's a commentator on the book of Matthew. He says, What makes Christians salty, different, and useful in the meat of the world is their breaking the world's code of love for love, good for good, evil for evil, reciprocity. It is Christians' countergrain, countercultural love for the undeserving, the unloving, and even the positively hostile that makes them recognizably Christian. And I want to say this isn't the only thing that makes us different, but perhaps it's the most significant. I think that this is what gives our gospel teeth, don't you think? This is kind of like the litmus test of has this stuff gotten into our bones? Are, are, we trying, are we trying to live this out and flesh this out in our real lives? So what can this look like? Uh, most of the time, um, it's really ordinary. Um, and again, I want to say this is something that I'm really bad at. Um, I was thinking about a, a good example of that. When I was in eighth grade, I was uh, a football player. Um, I wasn't a very good one. Uh, but I remember being on the bus uh, driving back from a football game and Malachi Ray, I don't know why, but he threw a Powerade bottle across the bus and it hit me so hard on my head. <laughs> and I was so filled with rage over the injustice of it. Even though I found out later it was an accident. I don't, I don't know how it happened, but he didn't mean to throw it and he definitely didn't mean to hit me in the head with it. But I got up and I hit him so hard. And, and this is what has stuck to me and haunted me to this day. He refused to hit me back. I, I felt so ashamed that I was pleading with him. Malachi, set me at ease. Hit me back. And, and if you have any, if there's any part of you that thinks, well, maybe he was intimidated by you. <laughs> if I could just show you a picture of my eighth grade self. Are you sure you that was not the case? This young man was living his life in light of the cross, and it stunned me. It stunned me. You guys, this is one of the most difficult but beautiful and stunning ways that we get to represent our Father. I think, I think the universe shakes when, when, when someone loves an enemy. I just think when Jesus watches, you know, and this happens in our homes, you know, with our spouses. <laughs> this happens with our kids. This happens with our neighbors. I think that when Jesus watches his kids living this out in a radically countercultural way, I think he's just so moved. Yeah, so I just want to one, share one story of a really 
basic way that I had an opportunity to do this. Um, I was having a birthday party for my uh, dad, and uh, it was in my backyard, and I invited a handful of people over um, just to have a time to celebrate him and to lay hands on him and bless him as he was turning a significant age. And I have this neighbor uh, next to me who she's just, she's a little bit mean. (laughs) She's always giving me and Christina and me advice on like how to mow our yard and like how to rake our leaves. And um, and so she's just, you know, I, I mean, it's strong to call her an enemy, but she, in some ways, she makes my life difficult. She inconveniences me, you know. She doesn't make me happy. <laughs> and so in this particular instance, we were preparing to celebrate my dad, and we were all outside because there are too many of us to be inside, and I had been dreaming for weeks about how special this was going to be for my dad. And right as we begin to share blessings over my dad, my neighbor starts to mow her yard so loudly, you know, and I was like, oh, come on. You've got to be kidding me. This is it. I am never talking to this lady again. (laughs) And so we leave the party, and, you know, the Lord begins to work on me and start to think about, consider Jesus, who he is and what he's done for me, and I just felt like the Lord gave me this really difficult task. He said, when you see her again, just greet her warmly. And so that was my act of faith, you know. That was my little measly offering to the Lord that day. The next time that I saw my neighbor, I just got to smile and say, how are your holidays, you know? How are you doing? You know, this is really ordinary for the most part. But sometimes uh, it'll be a little bit less ordinary. And so uh, we had an example in our community of a time when um, the Lord asked someone to do something a little less ordinary and loving someone that was making their life difficult. So Joe, um, I begged him to come and share this example, and he's going to share with us. So I wanted to say, first of all, can I add a little preamble, just a small one? Um, that's something I was convicted of while Jono was talking. Is If you read the story of Moses, you know, it says he was going about his business being a shepherd in the... In the um, wilderness when he saw a burning bush and it says he turned aside to go see what it was and that little tiny turning aside is what set Moses into God's story right that's what changed everything and he stepped on holy ground the moment he turned aside so it's not the charging ahead and the accomplishing and the getting, I'm a shepherd by God, I need to go get with the sheep. My job is to do the sheep, not to check out a bush. It's the turning aside that puts us in God's story, right? Um, the little inconveniences where we're a little bit different. We don't go like all the other shepherds. We turn aside when we see the presence of God. So one little story like that, um, and I really was like telling Jono, like, I don't want this to sound heroic. I'm terrible at this in so many ways. I have one success story, so I'm going to share that one. Um, and so trust me, there are many I could share that would not be encouraging. Um, and my children know all of them. So, um, But this one where, um, so I have a business, and one part of our business, we have a partner um, that we just took on a few years ago, in Florida, and so this whole now, as nature of that partnership, all of our revenue for this one part of our business flows through this partner. Well, 
a couple of years ago, end of 2019, this partner started to have their own financial difficulties. Things were going very wrong for them. And this partner is, by the way, this very wealthy man uh, that who, whose names are on you know, university buildings, things like that. So um, very important. You're always intimidated when you meet with them, that kind of thing. And then he started to have severe financial difficulties. Um, things started to go south. We stopped getting our money from him. And it started getting worse and worse to the point where he owed us, you know, large amounts of money. Um, and big enough that it could mean the survival or not survival of our business. Um, so we, you know, you, I'd love to say, hey, I would just like, hey, I love God, so I'm going to give up all the money. I'm fine with that. That's not how I felt at all. Um, it, and, and in fact, there are real business reasons. You have duties as a, as a business person. You have duties to investors, duties to employees. Do, you know, you can't just do that. But at the same time, we live our life differently, right? So me and my business partners were praying, what do we do about this? Is it time to bring a lawsuit? Is it time to sue this guy? But in the meantime, God had laid him on my heart through our business relationship. At some point in a meeting, I mentioned to him that I was going to pray for him about something, and he was so shocked that I said I would pray for him because no one's ever prayed for him before. And that's how love-starved the world is, right? They're just love-starved. And so that shocked him enough that it laid him on my heart, so I kept praying for him, kept praying for him. So now I'm saying, what, when do we sue him? Because it's time to sue him. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit just kept saying, no, hold off, hold off. Um, and so finally, then um, this moment came where I was out doing something, I don't remember, but I, I just remember praying about this situation, and God just kept telling me, the story's bigger than you realize. The story is bigger than you realize. Then I get the news that his business was in much worse shape than we thought and that his other business partner just killed himself and that he is distraught. And so I felt immediately like the Holy Spirit said, it's time for you to do what Christians do, right? So um, I just sent him a text and then I made a phone call. And it wasn't about getting money. And this is the first time I'd talked to him in the last year where I wasn't calling him to ask for money. Um, but I just said, I just want to say one thing to you, and that is that the story's bigger than your success or failure, and that God made you, and that he has a bigger story for you, and he can redeem you in Christ. And I just, I love you, and I'm praying for you. And that's all I said. It's not remarkable. It was just a kind phone call. And he just broke down and wept, and then he's called me weekly since then, um, just saying, you know, I, I, he sent me a text over Christmas, said, I don't know how I would have made it through the year without you. That's ridiculous that one kind phone call meant that he couldn't have made it through the year, right? Uh, that's how love-starved people are. Um, I mean, God worked out the timing just so that, like, right after my call with him, we're having these weekly phone calls, maybe a week or two later, I felt a release from God to say, you can go forward with a lawsuit. And so um, we filed the lawsuit on the same week, unbeknownst to us, that his business was actually foreclosed on by another creditor. And so now they owned the entire book of business. Our lawsuit goes in, like, in this perfect window of time that allows it to move forward, but yet not hurt him, the person I'm ministering to. There's no possible way I could have timed it that way. Um, it's entirely uh, God. So just to say, I mean, 
just by fumbling forward but trying to listen to the Holy Spirit, he somehow uh, made us more salty and advanced the kingdom and also, hopefully, is a happy ending to our story financially. So. <laughs> Yeah. Enemy love is a, it's a mighty force. It's, man, uh, thank you, Joe. That is uh, stunning. Um, my summary thought, and then I want to get into uh, some practicals. There's so much in our world that it is not right, should not be happening, and it's right and good for us who carry the Spirit of Jesus to ache and to long for heaven. Know, for, for Jesus to have his way in our world, and we know that he will. And in the meantime, in this pregnancy, the kingdom has been established and it's coming, but it's not here yet. How do we live? What would Jesus say to us? And he, he says, you guys are still. You get to be salt and you get to be light. You get to demonstrate to a hurting world what I'm like. And So how do we do that? One really powerful way that we can do that is we can treat the people who treat us poorly with the love of Jesus, right? And I just, I had this kind of summary thought that when we love people better than they deserve, we show them what our Father in Heaven is like. And I I, want to suggest, I don't know if we are ever more like our Father in Heaven than when we are loving people better than they deserve. So how do we do this? I love that right in the middle of that teaching on loving enemies from Jesus, he suggests that we pray. Pray for those who persecute you. And what I want to suggest is that part of the reason why Jesus asks us to pray for them is because we cannot love them (laughs) on our own, right? That in acknowledging that we need to pray, we're recognizing that this is not inside of me. I cannot in my own strength, in my own abilities, love someone when they are hurting me. It goes against what feels normal and natural and right to me. But when I get on my knees, you know, as Joe demonstrated, Lord, you've got to fill me with something that is not inside of me, right? This is hopefully where this sermon becomes less crushing and burdensome (laughs) and more hopeful, Right? We acknowledge the truth of the gospel and the brilliance of Matt's word from last week. We cannot do this. We cannot live the Christian life. That's why Paul says in, in Galatians that we have to be crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ demonstrates his life through us. We're weak vessels that, that God kills off the stuff that's not of him and he begins to shine his beautiful, loving, perfect life through us. So how do we do this? We pray. We pray. And, and so in addition to just crying out to the Lord for help, which is essential if we're going to love people that are hard to love, I, I also want to suggest that, that there are two specific ways that we can pray for the people that are making our lives difficult that I, I've just seen them work. I just, I think that when we ask Jesus for his love for people, I think that this is a prayer that he loves to answer. And so my, my mom actually taught me uh, growing up, you know, as I'd come home from school and I'd been bullied or I'd been, 
uh, treated poorly. She, she, would, she instructed me. There are two things that we pray for. We ask for the, the love of the Father, and we ask for the eyes of the Father. So two things that we can, and, and I'm hoping that you're thinking about somebody, you know, that is, is particularly hard for you to love, a family member or a neighbor or a politician or anyone. And so when we ask for the heart of the Father, we say, Father, I don't have the love inside of myself, you've got to give it to me. And then we ask for his eyes. Lord, you've got to give me your redemptive eyes to see what you see in this person. Don't we know that, that every human being bears the image of God? And for some people, it's buried more deeply than others, right? But we get to do the hard and exciting work of gold digging as followers of Jesus, right? We receive Jesus' redemptive eyes and we get to recognize, I know that the image of God is in there somewhere. So Jesus, give me your eyes to see it. This is your son and, or your daughter, and maybe they're straight off and they're, they're, they're looking marred, but, but you're inside there. Your, your image is in there. So would you give me your eyes? Yeah, so I thought that we could just close by uh, practicing that. And so there's a, there's a song um, that I've asked the team to cue for us. Um, don't play it just yet. You got it ready, though, John? Um, yeah, so we'll just pause for a second, and I just want to invite all of us to allow the Lord to bring to our heart someone in our life that is really, really difficult to love. So we'll pause for 30 seconds, allow that to surface. I just want to listen to this song and let's just allow this song to become our prayer and then we'll have a chance to, to respond to it.
just want to close this morning just with an, an invitation. If you uh, would just like to respond, to receive, to, to open up your heart to receive God's love um, for the world that he's placed us inside of, if, if you um, want to open your hands or if you want to kneel or uh, however the Lord is asking you to um, respond, I just want to pray for us as we close. So, Lord Jesus, first we we thank you. We recognize that it is not our love for enemies that makes you love us. First, we just acknowledge together, Lord, that it's not our good behavior that draws your love to us, but as we've already seen that while we were your enemies, you you loved us. And and so I just want to acknowledge, Lord, all of the ways in the last couple of years and in my life that I have done this so poorly. And so, Lord, I pray uh, for anyone this this morning um, that is maybe feeling like, oh man, I've just I've not really been doing this very well. I just pray, Lord, that you would shower grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Lord Jesus, man, and I just want to say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I mean, with just the swirl of division and and hatred i i've i've participated i've been in it i've been i've been throwing rocks i've been punching cheeks instead of turning cheeks and i just want to say lord i'm sorry and and thank you lord that your blood is enough to cover me thank you that we can come to you and you dust us off and say hey i love you i forgive you and so Now, Lord, we just ask that you would fill us up with excitement about what it could look like for us as a small little community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to demonstrate your love to the world. Um, Pray that this wouldn't be a crushing burden. We recognize that we can't fix what's broken in our world, but we get to be like you, and that's an honor, and that's exciting. So, Father, would you fill us with your love? I pray, Lord, for people who are thinking right now of someone, I just don't know how I could ever be kind to this person. I just pray, Lord, that you would work a miracle this morning. Would you work a miracle in our hearts? Would you give us your heart of love for the people that you've placed in our life who are making our lives miserable? I pray that you would work a miracle and you would give us your eyes, your redemptive eyes right now for the people that are making our lives miserable that we could love them with your love and we could see them with your eyes. And so we worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you've shown us a new way to live and a new way to be. And I pray that you'd help us to be loving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you guys. Such an honor to be able to share with you this morning. Yeah. Uh, have a great week. Let's go. Amen. <laughs>